Amen. <clears throat> I hope you're amazed still as you contemplate that reality. It's amazing, isn't it? Let's take our Bibles today, and again, we are glad you're here, and tonight, don't forget, I mean, if uh, when it's all said and done tonight, there's, I mean, there's a pie waiting for us, you know, so if the message is really weak, the coffee probably will be strong, so <clears throat> either way, we're going to get something strong tonight, okay, but anyway, we're glad you're here, and um, we kind of been over the course of a few Sunday nights now, a little while now, kind of just addressing some issues. We dealt a lot of with, you know, family and children and things like that and parenting a little bit. And uh, tonight I want to focus on marriage. You know, in the next three weeks, I'm going to focus on that specifically. And um, I hope it'll be a help to you. Um, you know, let's be honest, uh, you know, we don't need to look too far to see that in reality, in our culture, in our country, uh, marriages are really struggling. Uh, it's difficult, you know, and, and the world we live in, it's just, uh, even just the, the, I don't know, just marriage in general, it's just, it's really getting difficult. And so I want to take just a few moments and, and, and work on that over the next couple of weeks and see if we can't encourage you. Um, not everything that will be said will be how-to, but um, it certainly will be things that I think will be a blessing and, and, a, and a help to you. So let's go ahead and look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 20. We're going to read five verses, make that six verses actually. <clears throat> right, six verses. That's <laughs> just double checking. 20 minus 25 is five, but really it's six verses. Just so you know, okay? All right. I didn't want you to say, man, the guy's already lying to us right off the bat. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 2, verse 20. Genesis chapter 2, verse 20. And Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found to help meet for him. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. He took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. <clears throat> Outside of your relationship with Jesus Christ, there is no greater relationship on earth. There just isn't. No greater relationship. And <clears throat> I have a quote that I read and have shared before by a man by the name of Dr. J. Allen Peterson that I think capsulizes the importance of marriage. And it goes like this. Partnership must precede parenthood. A man is a husband first, father second, businessman third. A woman is a wife first, mother second, career woman third. A strong marriage precedes a strong family. Marriage is permanent. Parenthood is temporary. Marriage is central. Parenthood is secondary. Excuse me, I should have said parenthood is temporary, and then now parenthood is secondary. Excuse me. Marriage is central. Parenthood is secondary. Marriage is the hub. Children are the spokes. The child-centered home is poor training for the child. Poor marriage insurance, poor preparation for the empty nest. Your partner is first before children, job, or career. A man must love his wife as himself, and the wife must honor her husband, according to Ephesians 5.33, Dr. J. Allen Peterson. Wow, that's, that's really kind of capsulizes some things to me. If there's an area that so often is misunderstood, it's the relationship between a man, woman, and their children. 
And boy, that creates a lot of problems in homes, and it still does. And so it's important as we look at this that marriage itself is the key. Marriage is what we need to focus on and emphasize more than any other thing. If our marriages are strong, then our families will be strong. The problem is, if our marriages are weak, I don't care how much you try to invest in your children, it will affect your children. Marriage is paramount. And again, as a mom, and many times moms can be kind of, maybe they're uh, falsely accused of this, uh, and at times, though, I think there might be some truth to it, at times, we, we still got some ring up here, guys, can you help me with that? And so um, we see that moms sometimes have a tendency to, I guess, be um, blamed for giving too much time to the kids, emphasizing too much the children, putting them above and beyond, quote, as a husband would say, my needs. And boy, I'll tell you what, we have to make sure there's a balance there. Dads have to be careful too. But we just have to always be reminded that the marriage is key. There's no greater relationship on earth with the exception of Christ himself. Now, God's desire for marriage, according to the passage we just read, is oneness. That's the real reality of it. Take your Bible, look over at Matthew chapter 19, would you? Matthew 19, verse 4 through 6. Matthew chapter 19. Again, God's goal is oneness. Chapter 19, verse 4 through 6. And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And, And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, two, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Notice the twain, the two, become one. Now, you know, that's a very important truth. And he emphasizes it in the scriptures and reinforces it in that physical relationship between a husband and wife. God is always trying to help us understand and see that marriage is a oneness. The goal is oneness. Now, I have a a piece of paper here, and on this piece of paper, I have marriage and oneness. When we come to Jesus, when we come to uh, the the altar and we make a commitment to God and to that person, we make a commitment to that person, not just the institution of marriage, We make a commitment to a person, including the God of heaven. Um, And we enter into a marriage. The marriage, the Bible says, we literally become one. Become one. Now now listen, uh, my goal here is not to try to hurt anyone, but I certainly do want to protect some of these younger people. You need to understand, young people, that when you get married, you become one. And And when that relationship is severed, all right, through what we call divorce in our country. Neither one is truly complete. And, and no matter what, what you want to do about it, listen, I'm not saying that people will go on and remarry and they will try to pick up the pieces of their lives, but I promise you, if you talk to anybody that's ever been here, they will tell you it is devastating. Why? Because you are tearing apart what God had joined together. Because you will no longer be complete because part of you is now gone. And that is a reality. Whether or not you enter into another commitment or not, there's a part of you that was given away. And that is the reality of life. It's a reality of biblical reality. Now listen... It's not saying that God can't do a miracle in your life. It's not saying that God can't supernaturally intervene and bring about what he intended for you. I understand all that, and that's not the argument. I'm not even here to make that case. What I'm saying is simply this. Biblically, God's intent for marriage was oneness. He says that when he brought the man from his parents, basically, to join with this woman, he was to leave father and mother and be and cleave to his wife. They became one. And what God had 
joined together, let no man put asunder. Because there's consequences to that. It's very painful. And that oneness, spiritually, emotionally, and physically, is, an, is intended to produce great joy in the lives of those who are involved in it. That's what God intended. Marriage is a gift. And marriage is a gift that God has given to mankind. And we need to understand that. And we, need to, we can't take that lightly. And in this particular lesson or message, uh, you know, through the next couple of weeks, is I want to just kind of discuss this element of marriage. I want us to be able to appreciate marriage and be encouraged to invest in it wholeheartedly. So anyway, without further ado, let's have a word of prayer. And and we're just going to note one aspect tonight. I want to talk to you just simply about this. Marriage is to be enjoyed, not endured. Marriage is to be enjoyed, not endured. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, we come to you. Again, Lord, we need you. And we're asking for your leadership. Tonight, Lord, I'm begging you to use me as a vessel, a tool in your hand, a I certainly, Lord, um, thank you for just being my God, and I thank you, Father, for giving me the privilege to stand here. But, Lord, with that awesome responsibility, I ask that, Father, it wouldn't be me standing here, it'd be you in my shoes. Father, fill me. Lord, be with your people. May we hear with spirituals, and may what goes forth be done in the Spirit and in the power of the Holy Ghost. And Lord, I pray that you'd be with each marriage that's represented here. And Lord, um, it doesn't matter, Father, uh, what's taken place in the past necessarily. What matters is what we do now with what you give us. Help us, Lord, to truly apply these truths and understand these things in relationship to our life today. Lord, we'll thank you. We'll give you glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So marriage is to be enjoyed, not endured. And the Bible teaches that. Turn, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 5, verse 18. <clears throat> Proverbs 5, verse 18. Notice that what the passage says. It says, Let thy fountain be blessed, and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Rejoice with the wife of thy youth. It's to be enjoyed. Proverbs 18.22, turn to the right just a little bit. Proverbs 18.22. The Bible says, Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Man, I mean, you find a wife, you found a good thing, he says. You found a good thing. Someone says... You don't know the half of it. Well, you chose her. It's on you, buddy. You know, somebody says, yeah, well, and, and you know, can I tell you, can I say this? And, and a please, don't, don't be mad at me, but honestly, how many Christians haven't gone into a marriage going, I know this is the one God wants for me. Oh, God wants them for me. And then two years later, she's going, oh, God. Where's the rest of it? And that's the same way with some of you guys. And Listen, that's pretty sad, isn't it? I mean, either something's wrong. Either we didn't hear from God or we're not willing to pay the price. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm just saying, let's get down to the nitty-gritty here. Did God or didn't? I mean, we've got to think about that before we say yes or I do. If God really put us together, do you think he knew what was going to happen two years from now? Five years from now? Ten years from now? Twenty years? Yeah. I know. You're lucky you got a good wife. I know, and I do have a good wife. Praise God. Praise the Lord, I do. There was facetious, I was being facetious by you a little bit there. Not about my wife being good, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know. I'm digging a hole here. I better stop. 
So anyway, marriage is to be enjoyed, not endured. So we found a good thing. I mean, God wants us to enjoy our marriage. God wants you to enjoy your marriage. Uh, he, that's what he wants for us. Now, listen, here, is this mind-boggling to you as it is to me? I understand someone makes a horrible mistake, gets involved in a marriage, and is unequally yoked. <clears throat> you, you messed up. And you know it. And you could just, man, I mean, you could just scream. You're like, man, did I mess up. <sighs> okay. Man, you got a tough road to hoe. Help me, though, because I don't get this part, okay? It, I have a hard time understanding why two people that claim to know Christ can't get along. I'm having a hard time with that. Two people that claim that they're right with God can't get along. I, so, I'm, folks, I'm sorry, but something isn't right there. I mean, last I checked, Jesus Christ is the prince of... Well, if he's in my life, he's in my wife's life, and we're making him supposedly first in our home, and you say, well, that's the problem. He isn't. And if I talk to him, he says, you're not. Do you know how many men and how many women have come to me at latter and said, I'm not even convinced that my husband and wife's even saved. You know how many have said that to me? Almost everybody that comes in and counsels marriage. <laughs> That's what they want to say. I think maybe God should have showed you that before he said, marry him. Okay, I, I, I'm just trying to figure that one out. I know, I'm, I'm being tough, but let me tell you something. All the front row, uh, from here over, stand up. Five guys, just stand up. Go ahead, stand up. You're in the front row. Sorry. <clears throat> you see these guys? Their lives and marriages can be salvaged. That's right. Now, hey, listen. Everything in the Word of God doesn't always land well on my plate. Right. It hurts sometimes because I've not always done things the way I should. I've made some grave errors in my life. And this hurts sometimes when I get the truth. And sometimes it makes me say, boy, I regret a few things. But you know what? These guys don't have to have any if they'll just figure it out the first time. And that's why it's important that we stick to the stuff. That's why it's important we continue to preach what the Bible says about these issues. So that they don't have to endure and go through some of the things we've gone through. Okay, fellas. But the key is you guys are going to have to listen. You can be seated, fellas. Thank you. You've got to listen. You've got to put into practice what God's Word says. You can make this, I'm telling you, these are big decisions. So marriage is to be enjoyed, not endured. First of all, marriage prolongs society. It prolongs society. In Proverbs 14, 34, the Bible says, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. British anthropologist John D. Unwin, he conducted an, in, a, a, an in-depth study of 80 civilizations that have come or, uh, and gone over a period of some 4,000 years. So over the course of 4,000 years, these nations have come and gone. And so he did an in-depth study in each one of those particular civilizations. <clears throat> Dr. Unwin discovered that a common thread ran through all of them. In each instance, they started out with a conservative mindset involving strong moral values with a heavy emphasis on family. Over a period of time, the conservative mindset became more and more liberal, moral values declined, and the family suffered. In each instance, as the family deteriorated, the civilization itself started to come apart. And in all 80 cases, the fall of the nation was related to the fall of the family. In most cases, that civilization fell within one generation of the fall of the family unit. Now that is alarming because the scourge on the family today in our culture is unprecedented, at least in our lifetime. None of us in this room have ever seen anything like it in our lifetime. And if indeed the case study proves to be true, if we are just simply another nation, another civilization, like the 80 that have preceded us, then literally we are on the brink of extinction as a nation. 
and as a culture and society and civilization. That's scary. Oh, I know, we've got great hope. (laughs) Whatever. There is no hope outside of Christ in our country. Are you kidding me? Have you seen the debates? I mean, honestly, we're going to put our faith in one of those candidates? Are you kidding me? When it's all said and done, we're going to have to vote. And if you don't vote, you are voting. You don't vote, you're voting. We'll talk a little more about that in the future. And I'm allowed to talk about that. Okay? I'm allowed to. We will not lose our tax-exempt status because the preacher's going to tell you some things and give you some leadership and give you some information that may help you in a decision you're going to make in the future. But the fact is, is that our country is literally on the brink of extinction based on what we are hearing from this study. Now, when a person... A person's energies are directed toward providing for the home, protecting the family, and promoting love and lasting relationships. It seems that it has a direct effect on their selfish impulses. That when you are focused on others, and when you're trying to meet the needs of others and provide a better standard for others, you're not so focused on yourself. Marriage was never intended to be bondage. Its purpose is found in Ephesians chapter 5, and we know from chapter 5 that, you know, its purpose is a visible picture of Christ's relationship to the church and our relationship to Him. But it also has intrinsic value in regard to protecting, preserving, and prolonging society. The fact is, is that as long as the home and the family is secure and strong, we will have a society. But when that weakens, the very fabric of our culture is being deteriorated. And God established marriage with man's best interest in mind. He truly didn't say, I'm going to create marriage so everybody can be extremely miserable. And yet it seems to me in our world today, it's harder and harder to find content and happy couples. It's very difficult. You know, and that's that's not how it ought to... Now listen, you say, well... Man, I'm tired. You're picking on me about my past. No, I'm talking about your present. Are you content and happy in your marriage where it's at? See, God didn't intend it to be miserable. God didn't intend you just to endure it. Oh, I'm dealing with it, preacher. I'm I'm handling it. I'm still going strong. Well, trying. That's not how God intended it. God does everything with a purpose, and marriage has a far-reaching purpose. Not only does it provide fulfillment within mankind, but it promotes a healthy and productive society, as we mentioned. It helps, and it secures, and it, it makes strong everything. If, if you got to, listen, if your marriage is suffering tonight, you, and I'm going to borrow a term from the Bible, you are of all men most miserable. Ma'am, you are of all women most miserable. Because that, that is the closest thing to our heart that we have, is our relationship with a husband or wife. Man, I mean to tell you, you can't get away from it. You can't go to work and get away from it. You can't go to church and get away from that. It eats at you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I want you to know God has something better for you than that. But it is not going to happen simply because or when they fix their problem. It's going to take you two. God intended marriage not to be endured, but to be enjoyed. And marriage prolongs society. Marriage promotes success. Evidence is overwhelming that a good marriage gives the individuals involved a much better chance of being successful in their careers and personal lives. I mean... It's, it's been proven. I, I mean, there have been studies done on it. A good marriage is a marvelous base from which to build a more successful personal life and business career. It's a good foundation. 
Four independent studies all proved that highly paid men and women had similar qualities. And here's what the qualities were. First of all, loyalty to their spouse. They were loyal to their spouses. Uh, most were married over 25 years, and many were still married to their high school or college sweethearts. That's something. Number two, there was a commitment to family. These had made a commitment to their family. What do you mean? Well, eight out of ten had two or more children. Nine out of ten claimed their families to be the first priority. Nine out of ten of these very successful men and women that were polled said, our families are our first priority. And in many cases, eight out of ten had at least two or more children. So we see that that success is so important as far as success is to the family. If the family, the marriage, if it's strong, then our, our future looks brighter even. Even our business, if you will. Our ability to make finances even. Three, there was a religious affiliation. These, again, who are highly paid men and women seem to have a religious affiliation. Now, again, they pulled various people. They weren't all, quote, Christians, but they did have a religious affiliation. The, the majority of the thousands that participated in the poll attended church or a synagogue on a regular basis. Well, that's important. Not only do we see that, but another quality was a balanced lifestyle. A balanced lifestyle. Nine out of ten exercised regularly. Wow. There you go. Nine of ten exercise regularly, don't smoke, have a reasonable amount of leisure time, and get an adequate amount of sleep. Here's an interesting statistic. Their work week fit into a 50 to 55-hour category. They weren't overworked. They, they had just worked normal hours. They really didn't work that much more. 50 to 55 hours. And then they said, listen, we've we got to be careful. We stay balanced. Now, I can guarantee you, early on in their careers, they probably worked 80 hours if they're making high money. But they had to eventually come to a place where they found some balance in their life. You can only maintain that kind of course for so long before it takes a toll on your family. You've got to eventually say, we've got to back off a little bit and kind of re regroup here. But these were men and women who had started and had created balance in their life. That's important. You need balance in your life. Some of you are going, I do. I need a 20-hour work week. <laughs> That's not the balance we're talking about, but nonetheless, we do need balance, don't we? How many times do you feel in your life uh, you're just totally discombobulated, just totally just overwhelmed and just... And I mean, that is just so normal in our world today. And yet God never intended that we go around like chickens with our heads cut off, trying to make it through life all the time. We need to have schedules, and we've got to be disciplined, and we must have a balanced lifestyle. Number five, and finally, these particular men and women who participated in this independent study said... They had a true love for people. That was one of the characteristics that was seen in their life. A true love for people. Again, that concern starts at home, and it starts with a spouse, and then it starts with your children. If a man or a woman struggles to love their husband and to care for their kids, let me tell you what, I don't want them caring for mine. And they're not going to be very successful out there dealing with others if they can't handle their own. I mean, let's just be, we, you know, we, we kind of lose perspective sometimes. We separate things. You know, I can't stand kids. I'll teach Sunday school, Pastor. I, I don't think you're the one we want teaching Sunday school, you know. Well, I, I can't stand my kids, but I love everybody else's. Okay, well, praise the Lord for you. All right, that's good stuff there. Uh. But, I mean, you know what I'm saying. I mean, that, that sounds ludicrous when I say it, but... You know, on so many levels, we, we have to be careful of that, you know, and uh, a true love for people. 
The majority of the truly effective and successful executives spent any and all free time with their families. That's what they found. Now listen, they're only working according, according to this, and again, we know that from time to time they had to work more, I'm sure, but their normal work weeks were 50 to 55 hours, basically. They spent all of their free time with their families. And, and by the way, don't misunderstand the study. Well, I guess I'm just not going to be able to come to church then because I need to spend all my time with my family. Go ahead. See how it works out. Well, matter of fact, I can probably give you some phone numbers. Tell you how, they could tell you how it's working out. I mean, folks, listen to me. Don't you ever think for a minute that coming to a place like this is not good family time. <laughs> don't, don't you miss it now. I'm telling you, there's much more to life than just sitting in front of a television and vegging out, going for a walk or a hike through the park. I mean, there's more to life than that. And by the way, I've seen what leisure is today and what people do with their families or what they claim to be family time. Folks, listen, it is important, though. If you are disciplined in your life and you're disciplined in your workplace, you'll probably be disciplined in your home. And when you come back with your kids, you'll find that you'll make good decisions there, too. Listen, I... I I never, and I worked more than those hours that we're talking right here. I did. For years, I worked more than that. But let me tell you something. I never never went home, plopped in a chair, flipped on the TV and said, Honey, get me a pop. Dad's home. Kids, rub my feet. that, That wasn't my attitude at all. Man, I'll tell you what, if anybody suffered at the O'Donnell house for what I did, it was me. I did. If, if this ministry was going to cost me, not my kids, not my wife and my family. Now, there was definitely a time, and there are times even now where my family has to share me, and there's no doubt about that. That's just life. That's the ministry. And you have times in your life where... Your family has to share you probably with certain things, whether it's your employer or whether it's just family matters or what it might be. But listen, I went home and said, okay, I'm going to do my very best to be off on a certain day during the week. I'll work six days a week, 12 hours a day if I have to. But every time I step into that house, they'll never know I'm tired. They'll never know that I'm wore out. They'll never know that I'm frustrated. I'm just going to act like daddy is just the happiest guy in the world. And, and daddy comes home and says, hey, kids, let's run out and play some ball for an hour. Come on, let's go. We run outside, play some ball, go back on in. The kids settle down. I get dressed back up and head back out. Because that's how it had to be. I was not going to let them think that somebody or something was stealing daddy away from them. And by the way, I never told my kids that I was going to church. I was going to work. Do you know that dads should work? And you know, moms, you ought to support dad working. You really ought to support him. You ought to tell your kids when he's not home because he is at work or working that overtime that's needed and necessary to provide for you and your family. Instead of saying, daddy doesn't care about us and I don't know where daddy's at and he cares more about work than he cares about us. You ought to say things like, you know, daddy loves us. Matter of fact, daddy's working hard so that we can have this house that we're in so that we can have food on the table and clothes on our backs and Boy, Daddy loves us so much. Man, we just, you ought to thank Daddy for how hard he works to make sure that we can live like we live. Boy, does Daddy love us. That's what you ought to be saying. Instead of putting a wedge between them and their Daddy. And eventually they'll resent you for it too. People, we need to make our kids a priority in our lives. Gentlemen, there's statistics out there that say as parents, we don't spend hardly any time at all with our kids. Any. And we're talking minutes. That's pitiful. You brought these kids into the world. Why in the world wouldn't you want to spend time with them? Well, they're crazy. Yeah, well, all kids are crazy. Probably because their parents are crazy. We're humans, right? Man, we ought to... Our kids are a blessing and they're a joy too. They ought to be at least. And if they're not, it's because we're not disciplining them properly. Because we're not training them up. They're, they're crazy and they're aliens and they're out of control because we have failed our job as parents. So let's get a handle on that and then it'll be a joy to have them around. 
you won't be begging God for their 18th birthday. <clears throat> Instead, you'll be going, oh, man, they're going to be 18 soon, possibly running off to school. Man, I don't want to see the kids leave. I love them being here. They're the best. And that's what it ought to be like. I was at a camp years ago, and a preacher told me, I asked him, I said, can you give me some advice about family? He traveled a lot, plus he's pastoring a church that was growing. And I said, man, you're even busier than I could possibly dream of being. I said, what do you do to kind of keep it together with your family? Here's, he said this to me, and I've never forgot it, and I use it as my own today. <clears throat> he says, well, I decide to make my children my hobby. And I said, wow, interesting. <clears throat> you made your children your hobby. <clears throat> and I said, man, I like that. So you know what I didn't do? I didn't go like this all the time. And I didn't go out hunting. And I didn't take up any... I've had people come to me through the years, Pastor, you just need a hobby. You need something to get away from the ministry. I said, I've got a hobby. What is it? My children. So all I say is, what am I... What's, today, Daddy's off. What do you want to do today? What do you want to do? Now, I couldn't do everything they wanted to do, but I tried to do what I could. All I'm saying is, is that in our homes, there has to be a love for people. And it begins with our love for our wife and our love for our children. It starts there. And you know what? Marriage, then, is a success. It, it promotes success in your life. Man, I'll tell you what. Man, you get that thing going, and next thing you know, you're coming home, and your kids are running through the door, jumping in your arms, and you're like, yes! They're, Daddy's home! Daddy's home! And when they're 18, they're jumping in your arms. It's not as fun. But <clears throat> it's kind of hard to hold them up, but they probably won't do that anyway. But nonetheless, they'll at least be glad to see you. I, and I, I don't even know why I'm sharing all these things because it's not in the notes, but I, I made sure, and here's something that I said was going to happen in our home. You, you can say it's crazy, but uh, I, I talked with my wife about it, and her and I, we both decided when Daddy comes home, those kids are going to meet Daddy, and so is Mom. Mom's going to drop what she's doing and come see Dad when he walks through the door because when Dad gets home, that's a special time. It's important. And so when mom gets home now, we get up and see mom. A lot of times she comes home with groceries anyway, so we've got to help her get them out of the car. <clears throat> but, but it's important. Don't you think mom loves being greeted at the door by her kids? Amen. Don't you think it's awesome when dad, her husband's standing there going, Hey, honey, how you doing? So good. I'm glad to see you. Man, that's huge. You say, well, that's crazy. No, we planned that. We organized that. We said that's, that's a non-negotiable. And boy, I'll tell you what, I'm glad we did that because I feel good every time I come to the house. My wife just the other day was tied up working on that stuff we talked about this morning down the basement. I came home, walked in. She didn't hear my car come in the garage. And all of a sudden, I went down and said, she went, oh, I'm sorry I didn't hear you come in or I'd have come up. Yeah. I'm somebody. I'm important. You know what I'm saying? I know some of you ladies are thinking, that's ridiculous. Not for me, it ain't. I loved it. I love that. And I think she loves it, too, when we show up and say, hey, Mom, what's going on? Or in my case, I say, hey, honey, what's happening? So anyway, we, we show that love and we show that consideration home first. And uh, so it's important we do those things. Now, marriage also provides support. It su provides support. Every one of us needs support. And... It's nice when you have a mate or a helpmeet, uh, somebody that you, um, they complete you. That's what a helpmeet's supposed to do. Whether it's a guy or a girl, we become one in Christ. And I'm telling you, there, when we are working at trying to support and encourage and help one another, man, that's a blessing. That's awesome. And marriage is intended to support. In Genesis 2.20, we read already, but for Adam, there was not found an helpmeet for him. Man, he needed a helpmeet. He needed somebody that he could talk to, somebody that could lift him up, somebody that could encourage him, somebody that would make life, at times in his own mind, worth living even. Men are natural-born show-offs. You know that's true, ladies. You know, all you have to do is go over here in the nurseries, and the little boys are trying to show off for all the little girls. It's crazy, is it not? Oh, they're all the same. They're all the same. 
You know, little boys and little girls, there's no difference between them at all. It's all learned behavior. It's all environmental influence. You're nuts. Talk to any mom who has to raise boys and girls. And she'll say, oh, man, them boys are crazy. They won't sit still and learn. And if she's homeschooling, oh, my, it's even worse. The boys are out of their mind. They just can't sit still. They just won't. That's not learned behavior, friends. That's just inbred. That's us, ladies. Men are natural-born show-offs, though. They're highly motivated by recognition and praise from the people they really love. For years, Maribel Morgan, she led a study in a support group made up of the wives of the Miami Dolphins professional football team. This took place years ago. She attended all the home games, and she sat with the wives in the special section of the stadium. During a key game leading them to the playoffs, the great Miami quarterback, Bob Greasy, he stepped back and into the pocket, and he threw the ball to Paul Warfield. Paul Warfield caught that pass, ran 30 yards for the game-winning touchdown. Maribel couldn't help but notice how Warfield kind of circled the end zone and he spiked the ball, just like most do after scoring a touchdown. And as he ran along the sidelines, 60,000-plus fans were screaming and going crazy. But his eyes were searching the stands for the face of his beloved wife. Mary Bell says, when their eyes met, he waved to her and she saluted and said, that's my man. (laughs) You know, the approval of 60,000 fans and millions more watching on television could not top that one gesture of approval. That's the one that mattered to him. That's the person he was looking to find approval with. That's amazing, isn't it? Don't, never underestimate our need, ladies, for recognition and approval from you. And I know sometimes, you know, in our culture today, you know, this whole concept of, you know, well, men's roles, women's roles, I wouldn't let him call, subject me to that kind of ridiculousness and I have to treat him like a little baby and tell him he's a, doing a good job. And uh, let me ask you something. How, how, how valuable is your marriage to you? you know, how, how, much, how, how committed are you to making him happy? And let me tell you something. When he feels like BMOC, big man on campus, he really is much more in a position and has a desire to do other things to make your life better too. I'm just saying, this all works together. Everybody has to make concession and everybody has to understand how each other ticks. Matter of fact, the Bible teaches us that a man needs to know, you know, um, know his wife. He has to know her. Not somebody else's wife. He needs to know his own wife. And so he needs to work at that. And some of us guys, we are a little bit thick-headed. You know, what's your wife's favorite candy bar? Hmm. Uh, candy bar. I know she buys them for me. Um, you know what I'm saying? How long have you been married? 25 years. Oh, good. What's your favorite color, gentlemen? Well, she wears a lot of red. I guess that must be her favorite color. No, I mean, really, I mean, we're to know our wives, you know, we're to take the time to understand them and to figure them out and to say, man, what, what makes her tick? Is it, a, is it a, 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 some flowers that you can, you know, pick from your neighbor's house? Is it, um, you know, because we certainly don't have any money to buy any. But, but I mean, is it, is it that? Is it, is it that she likes to go out to dinner? The dollar menu at McDonald's? I mean, what is it that she enjoys? What really makes her feel special? What makes her say, man, my man loves me? Yeah, I mean, that's important. It works both ways, and I know I'm kind of, watch, I'll probably cover all this next week, I don't know, but it's just, marriage provides support, and the fact is that affirmation, approval, and encouragement, that, that, that coming from a supportive mate, boy, it has a power to simply transform our lives. I mean, 
I don't know. It makes, it makes us champions. I mean, I can have a gut that's hanging out, and I've been working on it. And um, <laughs> I, I, I can be limping around because my knees are sore. And my wife, I walk in the door again, and she plants one on me and says, Honey, I'm so glad to see you. And I go, Yes. Still got it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Finally, let me just say this as we close. Marriage produces satisfaction. Now, we're talking about a marriage, that you know, a Christ-honoring marriage. Let's, let's face it. If, if our marriages are not rooted in Christ, if... If one or the other is determined to just be rebellious and cantankerous and unwilling to cooperate, boy, it can make life miserable, and I don't wish that on anybody. Boy, that would be horrible. But again, marriage is purpose. God intended marriage to, to, to satisfy, to, to meet needs in our life. See, a healthy marriage promotes companionship, camaraderie, communication. It, it, it's, it promotes those things, at least a biblical marriage, the way God intended it. Just, and we don't have time, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but communication. I mean, communication, for the most part, is, is not necessarily just talking. <laughs> the better part of communication is listening. Boy, you know, if one, if guys, if we get a bad rap, and I don't know if it's a bad rap, really. <laughs> uh, in most cases, women will say, my husband never talks to me, never listens. He never even gives me any feedback. I, I always feel alone in this. That's a lack of communication. It doesn't mean that you don't love her. It doesn't mean that you don't care. But if she needs that to feel loved and cared for, then you have a responsibility to give that to her. See, it's not about, well, I don't feel comfortable with that. Hey, wait a second. Let's go back to that time when we were standing at the altar and we said before the preacher, but more importantly to that person and to God, I do. I'm so glad God gave you to me. Oh, wait a second. God gave her to you, sir, but now God isn't giving you the tools you need to accomplish the job that he put you in. I thought that everything God called us to do, He empowers us to do it. I thought faithful is He who calls you who also will do it. See, we're trying to do it ourselves instead of letting Christ do it in and through us. That's our real problem here. We do that with every aspect of our life. We're trying to do it in our flesh, in our own strength, and I don't feel comfortable with that. We'll die to self then. A dead man has no feelings. Communicate. Listen. Talk. If, if you need to, get a book on how to talk, how to communicate. We have more stuff in our culture to teach us how to do things and, and, and than any, any culture in the world, any time in history. But we're the most ignorant people in the world, it seems, at times. All I'm saying is it promotes some things. It's supposed to promote companionship, camaraderie, communication. When's the last time you just did something with your spouse? I'm not talking about, you know, I'm talking about did something that they wanted to do too, gentlemen. I'm talking about ladies, something they wanted to do too. I'm talking about you just did something together. Oh, you didn't even necessarily plan it. You just did it together. Okay, she's running up the store and you just said, fellas, man, you know what? I just want to spend time with her. I'm going to go to the store with her. No way. Okay, okay, that's not your thing. But hold on. You'd knock her socks off, and then you'd also spend more money at the grocery store than normal. But the fact is, is that maybe you just do something with it. Companionship. Oh, I'm going to drive up. We're going to, I'm going to pick up the pizza tonight. I'll go with you. What? Maybe you could actually talk without everybody interrupting. Hey, you're 13 years old. You should be responsible enough to watch your brothers and sisters for about 20 minutes when we go up there. And if they're not and they're 13, let me tell you, you've not done something right. That's right. 
Thank you, preacher. We love you too. So off we go, talking as we go pick up pizza. I'm just saying, just some companionship. Have you ever gone out of your way to do something because you know that they just like doing it? He's going to go out and shoot guns. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go do that either, ladies. But anyway, <laughs> I'm saying, who in the world? I, I'll do it now. I, I'll gladly do it now. But you may not, that might be your cup of tea, ladies. Let me tell you something. Both of us, men and women, need to start learning that companionship is part of this thing. Camaraderie, communication. A healthy marriage provides sexual fulfillment, emotional stability, and mental stimulation. I'm going to say one thing. We have to end this, okay, because of time. Let me say this real quick. And I'm going to say it because you need to hear it. A note about sexual fulfillment. This is only true, listen very closely. And by the way, I'm not hurting any of these young people. They probably see more on the internet than you will ever dream. This is only one, this is only true when one's expectations haven't been overly influenced by three things. One, media. Two, romance novels or books. Or three, pornography. If any of that's gotten into your relationship at all, you may never find fulfillment in that area. There you go. Your expectations are unrealistic, possibly. And you'll never be satisfied or happy. Moving on. Again, thank you, preacher. You're such a wonderful man of God. Number three, a healthy marriage produces a sense of affirmation, acceptance, and approval. And so we see that marriage produces satisfaction. These are things that God intended for, the, for marriage. Marriage, as we said in conclusion, prolongs society. It promotes success, it provides support, and it produces satisfaction. Those are all things that marriage does when it is centered around Christ and the Word of God. And it's imperative that we personally are right with God in our heart and our lives. Everybody's going to face some trials. Everybody's going to face some ups and downs. We talked about the wilderness this morning. You may find that in your own marriage at some point. I hope you never experience that. But if you do, the thing that's going to make the difference is your relationship with Him, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you to make sure you're working on that relationship with Him first. There is not one relationship that is actually balanced and proper in our life today until our relationship with Him is balanced and proper. I don't care how much you work on your marriage. It'll never be everything God intended it to be till your relationship with Him is everything it was intended to be. And that's true in every relationship we have. So work on your walk with God, and you'll find that every other walk will make a difference. It, it will, will be better. It truly will. Father, we come to you. We thank you, Lord, for...